Good afternoon. Hello to you, Dan Torres. Hey, Buzz. How are you feeling day two after the election? Well, it's still the afterglow of the election. Obviously, the red wave that didn't happen uh, um, is comforting, and we still have to see who's going to control what. Um, but I was doing this uh, analysis of exit polls this morning, Dan, mm. and I found a very exhaustive one. If you're if you're interested, I am. NBC News. Yeah, NBC News, um, and it's dot uh, com uh, slash politics slash twenty twenty two hyphen elections slash exit polls. It is exhaustive. It tells all kinds of things. The demographics are really thorough. How people who were independent voted for Democrats versus independents who voted for Republicans. It really it goes on for pages, and it's really interesting. But the reason why I'm mentioning it right now, um, as a segue to our uh, to our next uh, segment, is they ask this question. Talk about a leading question. Which one in caps of these five issues mattered most in deciding how you voted today? Crime, 11% on average said that. Abortion, 27%. Inflation, 31%. Gun policy, 11%. And immigration, 10%. So that range is from uh, immigration at 10% to abortion at 27% to inflation at 31%. What's really interesting is when you scroll down probably another multiple pages they ask the following question. How serious a problem is climate change? Very serious, 46%. Somewhat serious, 25% for a cumulative 71% compared to the percentages that I just told you that inflation was 31%. Uh, this more than doubles that. And then 27%, not a serious problem. They must be living on another planet than we are. But that's why we need Brian Adams and his segment and his guests today to uh, to explain that climate change is not something that uh, should be, it should have been in that first five that they asked about. Don't you think, Brian? It's all how you ask questions or how you don't ask questions. And that's a, it's an interesting segue to our guests and to, and we'll talk about politics in just a minute, but we are so fortunate uh, to have on the show today, Ray Bradley, Ray is a world-renowned climatologist. He's a distinguished professor in the Department of Geosciences at UMass, uh, where he is also the research director of the Climate System Research Center. Uh, Ray's written and edited more than a dozen books on climate change, more than 200 articles in scientific journals. He has a particular focus on the climate of the Arctic, and we'll get back to that in a bit. Ray, thank you so much for being on the show. You're welcome. Nice to be here. Um, let's go back to what Buzz was talking about and, and talk a little bit about politics. It's still early to sort of see who's won what. I know a number of races are still out. Um, but according to one analysis, I was looking for the Center for American Progress. Last Congress, the 117th Congress, included 139 elected officials. That's 109 U.S. representatives, 30 United States senators, who refused to acknowledge the scientific evidence of human-caused climate change. 139 making statements casting doubt on the clear, established 
scientific consensus that the world is warming. I mean, I find that stunning, right, that we have somewhere around a quarter of all the elected officials in Congress, none of them are Democrats, all of them are Republicans, who have engaged in explicit climate denial. What, what will it take, Ray, to convince these skeptics of the gravity of the climate crisis? Well, it, it frankly doesn't surprise me because I've uh, experienced this for many years. Um, there have been climate deniers in Congress and, and even worse than just denying climate, they've actively um, sponsored legislation that would um, make things worse. Um, but, uh, you know, given that I don't know how many 200 uh, people running in the election yesterday still don't think that Joe Biden won the election, it's not surprising that, you know, you can look at facts and draw your own conclusions for whatever purposes you might have. Clearly, the, the, the scientific evidence is overwhelming at this point. There's no dispute among the scientific community about the cause of global warming and the remedies of global to, to deal with it. So it's a you know the, the Congress is out of step with the general public who are who have joined the dots and they're they're miles ahead on this issue. Well, thank goodness that the that the public is. Now we just gotta drag those elected officials along with us. I was also reading in this in this study. Um, that the same 139 climate-denying members of Congress have received more than 61 million in lifetime contributions from the coal, oil, and gas industry. So it's sort yeah. of follow the money, right? Yeah, exactly. That's exactly the problem that the uh, entrenched interests um, have basically bought these people, and they are puppets in the Congress for those special interests. I mean, it's not the only uh, special interest, of course, that, that there's too much money in politics altogether. And so people vote um, for the supporters just in order that they stay in power. It's not a, it's not a rational uh, way to operate, I'm afraid. No, the, the Congress does not uh, exist as a rational body these days. And we'll see how it shakes out in the next few days as results continue to trigger, trickle in particularly from some of those uh, uh, really hard-fought states, Nevada and Arizona, and, of course, a runoff election in in, uh, in North Carolina. Another thing that's going on, as, uh, Ray, I know you know a lot about, is the 2022 United Nations Climate Change Conference. Uh, the first UN climate conference was in 1992, I believe. This is the 27th uh, conference. It started on the 6th of November. It'll go through the 18th in e taking place in Egypt. Uh, and this is, you know, of course, a big conference. Happens every year. Used by governments to try to come to some sort of agreement on how to limit global temperature rises and adapt to impacts associated with climate change. Ray, what, what's your take on this conference? What do you hope the conference will achieve? Well, actually, this whole conference developed uh, from a meeting that was held in Brazil, I think in the 1970s, when, when George Bush Sr. Um, signed a, uh, an international agreement that expressed concern over climate change and um, decided that the 
various countries should get together to try to limit damage, potential damage from climate change. So that goes back a long, long way. And as a result of that, they've had these so-called conference of the parties, COP, COPs, and we're at COP27. So that just tells you how difficult it's been over the years to come to an agreement over what to do about this. It started off as you in, as you suggested when people were very skeptical. Now everybody's at least on board with the notion that the climate is changing and we have a lot to do with that. And so the the, the focus now is on what um, legal, what economic, what technological remedies can be applied and how much money can be spent um, to compensate uh, countries that have been affected by climate change and yet had very little role in producing the greenhouse gases that have brought about these uh, extreme uh, climatic conditions. So the focus of this particular one, this particular COP27 in Sharm El Sheikh in Egypt is going to be largely on um, economic issues, um, particularly uh, payments or support to developing countries to get them to skip over the technologies such as coal burning, power plants, oil uh, facilities and so on, and try to get them to move directly into a renewable energy framework. Um, and that will cost money and they're, they're all turning to the developed world to help finance that because they don't have the cash to do it. And how is the how is the US on uh, transferring some of our wealth to other countries to, as you said, leapfrog over existing outdated fossil fuel technologies right into renewable? Are, are we on board, we being the United States government on board with that? Well, yeah, if you, if you think of the United States government as the present administration, that's true and a lot of the Congress is also on board. But of course, the, there's a reluctance to spend money or to give money. The, the notion of giving money to other countries is always a difficult one. But in fact, what, when, we, when we talk about giving money to other countries, what we're also doing is, is um, transferring our own technology and, uh, from our own businesses to those countries. So a lot of the international aid that we provide to other countries is actually beneficial to our own manufacturing uh, assets and our agricultural assets too. So it's it's somewhat mutually beneficial, of course. Uh, but in the end, the, the, the amounts of money we're talking about are, are very, very high. I think in the Paris Agreement, there was, there was discussion of about $100 billion a year from the developed world to the developing world. Um, and that hasn't happened. Long, we're far short of that. And and yet that's the sort of magnitude of, of cash that needs to be transferred, or not cash, but um, the cost of technology transfer to these other countries. And, you know, we think, oh, my goodness, $100 billion, that's huge. Look at our defense budget. It's up, I think it's over, what is it, $780 billion a year. Uh, yeah, so the, it should, really, the, it should be uh, done. Yeah, in the context of our overall um, economic activity and the same with Europe, it, it, 100 billion is not a lot of money, actually. It's a very small uh, percentage. Um, but there are two aspects to this. One, one is the transfer of technology so that, for example, a country like Angola would 
shift from would would avoid using a lot of its coal deposits for fuel for power rather and would go directly to say renewables uh, such as windmills or um, solar backed up by battery uh, technology um, but there's a second part which is compensation for damages that they've suffered from extreme events and then the best example of this is Pakistan who uh, the country had dramatic flooding from exceptionally heavy rains unprecedented in historic time and much of the country was literally underwater um, for months actually so the 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 countries like that are asking for compensation so they can repair much of the infrastructure that was damaged and that other countries that are sitting close to sea level are worried about sea level rise and the impact that will have on their literally on their geography on the size of their countries uh, small island states are urging the developed world to really limit emissions so that sea level will slow down a bit sea level rise will slow down a bit so these are all complicated and expensive issues but in the end um you know that's what we have to do Exactly. That's a great place to leave it, Brian. In the end, that's what we have to do. We're going to take a break. We're talking with um, Raymond Bradley. We're talking with Brian Adams. We're going to take a break and be back in just a few minutes. It continues this important conversation about climate. We'll be right back. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHFD. Take out trees, take out wildlife at a rate of the species every single day. Take out people who live with like this for a hundred Skates cutting the ice and sticks pounding boards. The slap of the puck and a peel off the post. The chirp of the whistle and the blaring of the horn. Hockey is here. Tune in for all the sounds of the season right here on the UMass Sports Network. 1015, 1400, and 1240 WHMP. Looking for the perfect place to watch the game? Hi, I'm Caleb Hiliadis, head brewer of Amherst Brewing. Make the Hangar Pub and Grill your go-to spot to catch all the action this season. Our famous wings come with your choice of 26 flavors, and with 25 years of beer making experience, there's an Amherst Brewing beer for every drinker. Now that's a winning combo. Join us for weekly trivia nights in Amherst, Westfield, Agawam, South Hadley, and Greenfield. Visit hangerpub.com for more of what we have cooking and brewing today. Just as I was starting my medical training, I came down with an autoimmune disease that led to cancer. I needed a liver transplant. Fortunately, I got one from someone who registered as a donor. As a physician, I understand the barriers to organ donation. Some people think their organs are too old or just don't want to think about dying. But one organ donor can save up to eight lives. People who register as donors are heroes. And I'm here thanks to my hero. Be a hero. Register at registerme.org. Sponsored by New England Donor Services. My name is Jenny Papageorge. I'm the director of planned giving at Cooley Dickinson Hospital. 
Having a strong community health system is vital to the health and well-being of our community. At Cooley, we're grateful to the community that supports us through your kind words, generous gifts, and legacy plans. Without you, we wouldn't have a thriving community hospital that's here for you and the people you love. I welcome you to get in touch to talk about what Cooley means to you. Visit us at cooleydickinson.org giving. If you have been a Vonage customer and found it nearly impossible to cancel the service, the Federal Trade Commission may have some money for you. The agency is seeking court approval of a settlement that would send $100 million in refunds to affected Vonage customers. Even if you aren't selling your home, the housing market's steep nosedive could be affecting your pocketbook. According to Black Knight, U.S. homeowners lost a staggering $1.3 trillion in home equity in the third quarter during a major slump in the housing market. Are you taking an airline flight over the holidays? Travel experts say a lot has changed since the COVID-19 pandemic. For starters, there are now fewer flights each day, so planes will likely be full. To save time, travel experts say some airports are allowing travelers to drop off luggage the day before. I'm Mark Huffman. Learn more at ConsumerAffairs.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And we are back with Brian Adams and his guest, Raymond Bradley, talking about what we should all be talking about, climate. Brian. Uh, Ren, welcome back, folks. Uh, Ray Bradley is a world-renowned climatologist, and we're so happy to have him at UMass. He's a distinguished professor in the Department of Geosciences, research director at the Climate System Research Center at UMass. And, Ray, there's been exciting recent news that UMass in Amherst will now host the International Office of Climate and Cryosphere uh, for the next Five years, which is really quite an honor for UMass and 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 for you as well. First of all, this this office of climate and cryosphere. What is the cryosphere? So the cryosphere is everything that's involved with snow and ice. So that includes glaciers and ice sheets like Antarctica and Greenland and the mountain glaciers, uh, snow cover on the land, sea ice on the ocean. Um, lake ice and permafrost in, in high latitudes and also in high mountains. So it's the focus is what is the um, what are the consequences of climate change for for those uh, areas of the world that are affected by snow and ice, and that would include you know New England in terms of snow cover, Greenland in terms of uh, ice and its melting, um, the sea ice in the Arctic Ocean. Uh, lake ice um, in different parts of the world, those kind of things. And, and of course, permafrost in the Arctic, too. And this fits to your research, which is um, on climatology and paleo, uh, old, uh, way back in the day, climatology, with a particular focus on how climate has changed since the last ice age. Uh, Ray, last week, um, I had on a really engaging guest, Morgan Brown, McNeil is a 15-year-old climate activist at Northampton High School, and they talked about the power of images and how you can look at, uh, say, the Arctic and see a, you know, sea ice melting there, and that's one thing. 
but they they came up or or they were involved in promoting this image of three young people standing on a melting block of ice with taut nooses around their necks, um, which I thought was really sort of powerful way to 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 get at to get at this. Yeah, well, certainly the the ice cover on the world is changing rapidly. Um, I've been working in the Arctic my whole career and in the 1980s I went to Northern Ellesmere Island in Canadian Arctic and we worked on an ice cap there. We landed a Twin Otter aircraft on skis on the ice cap. We lived on the ice cap for a month or so. We skied around and um, doing our studies and I was amazed to see on satellite photographs recently that ice cap has now completely disappeared. It's bare ice, a bare rock now. It's hard for me to get my head around because it was certainly uh, a pretty extensive ice cap when I was there. But, you know, people think about, they see images of sea ice with a polar bear on it, and they see they, they think about glaciers in the, in the Arctic or ice caps. If they think about it at all, they think, well, perhaps that's not affecting me. But it, but it does, in fact, because those changes are that when the snow and ice is melting, that's going back into the ocean, and that's affecting sea level. And then um, the changes in the, the temperatures in the Arctic are changing the weather patterns. So all of those things happen, even if you're um, living in a place like Kansas, where you might not sense a change in sea level, you may really be affected by changes in the weather patterns. And certainly on I, the uh, coast, up and down the coast, we're all being affected by the rising sea level, which is getting rising ever faster. And as we're uh, speaking, yet another hurricane roaring into Florida, and the highest yeah. elevation in Florida is what about you know two feet or something? I'm I'm exaggerating or under yeah, but, understating but the fact it. That it's very rare to have a hurricane in November. Very very late. I don't think they've had a November hurricane for many decades. But this just reflects the fact that the ocean, the tropical oceans are extremely warm. And that's what's driving the intensity and the development of these cyclones that sweep across the Atlantic and also at the Pacific. There have been a lot of hurricanes in the Philippines and Japan as well. So these things are happening more and more. And it's a consequence, one of the byproducts, if you like, of the overall warming of the climate system. Can I ask a question, Brian, really quick? Uh, Please. About, about technology and human beings. And I'm curious to know, uh, in terms of solutions, how much do you think technology will have to play a role versus uh, human uh, changes in human uh, behaviors and consumptions? I think they're both essential. Um, I'm a technological optimist, and I think there's huge advantages or huge benefits that will come along um, because of technological developments, improvements in the efficiency of solar panels, the uh, improvements in the efficiency of windmills, battery technology, and so on and so forth. But at the same time, we do have to um, think about the societal changes that need to take place. And the um, that's a much harder thing to grapple with because people uh, are less, are more reluctant to change their lifestyle, even a little bit. Um, 
And so all of that has to be, we have to have conversations about that. I don't think people need to do anything radical, but even, you know, just switching off lights and um, thinking about consolidating trips to the stores and things like that, or they all help a little bit. It all adds up. Um, I like that phrase, technological optimist, because uh, it is amazing to watch just the leaps and bounds in renewable technology. And these are job-creating industries that are um, give, giving people good work for good pay, and it's really, really exciting to watch the growth, the incredible yes. growth of solar and wind. The big, the biggest change in the next five years or ten years will be enormous expansion of offshore wind in New England, yeah. up and down the East Coast, and oh, off yeah, the we're going to be coast. big in Massachusetts. We're going to be one of the leaders. Boy, you know, exactly. just go right off sure. the coast, and it is windy all the time. Yeah, we've yeah. been, we've that, been talking with that. Is a great place to leave it on an optimistic note. <laughs> yeah, in Massachusetts, uh, an enormous uh, amount of progress coming. So. Thank you so much for being with us today, Raymond. You're welcome. I've enjoyed chatting with you. Yeah, great luck at the concert. Brian, thank you so much. We'll see you next week. Okay, thank you. Ray, thanks so much. Bye-bye. Okay, everybody else will be back with Take 5 with Ruth Briggs and to today's guest. Uh, I can't wait. We'll be back right after these messages. Stay with us. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. For WHMP News, I'm Jess Tyler. Hours after she was elected governor of Massachusetts, Democratic Attorney General Maura Healey met with Republican Governor Charlie Baker to discuss the upcoming transfer of power and address the differences in their leadership. At the end of the day, it's going to be uh, matter by matter, issue by issue. You know, there's a lot of things that we've got to take on. There's a lot of things that we've got to work on and tackle. Kim and I look forward to doing just that. Healy's election made history. She is the first woman and the first openly gay candidate elected to the top office in Massachusetts. Baker, who opted not to seek a third term, congratulated Healy on her win. Baker declined to endorse the Republican candidate in the governor's race and said he would do what he could to smooth Healy's transition into the governor's office. A Munson town official will serve two years of probation after being convicted of indecent assault and battery. Munson Water Department Assistant Superintendent Thomas J. Murphy was sentenced to two years probation in order to undergo a sex offender assessment and counseling. Murphy, a longtime youth soccer coach, was charged with groping a woman in her 20s after making salacious comments during an encounter in 2020. Murphy denied the charges. And tomorrow will mark the nation's 103rd observance of Veterans Day, honoring members of the armed forces who served our country. Across America, many businesses, schools, and federal offices will be closed for the holiday. Non-essential government offices and federal courts will also be closed. Retail and restaurant chains will not only be open, but several will offer discounts or deals to veterans and active military. I am Nick Oresco, mostly sunny this afternoon with temperatures getting to the mid-60s. Clouds increase tonight with lows in the low to mid-40s. Rain and near 70 by Friday as we watch Tropical Storm Nicole. I'm Nick Oresco on 101.5 WHMP.
When it's happening here in the Valley, we're talking about it. We have a very unique and lethal combination of emboldened white supremacy in this country and unfettered access to guns. We need to keep talking about the intersection of white supremacy and guns. Guns are used in order to you know, elicit fear and power and control uh, by white supremacists. And it's not an issue that's going away easily. 101.5, 1400, and 1240. We are the Valley. We are WHMP. Eat more kale, says the bumper sticker. Why assume I'm not eating enough kale? If you eat at Paul and Elizabeth's, there's always kale. There's the Caesar salad with kale, with romaine, or both. There's the vegetarian platter, vegetables sautéed to perfection, including kale. Or just order a side of sautéed greens. Some people treat kale like one of those good-for-you-but-no-one-really-likes-it things. Maybe those people have never been to Paul and Elizabeth's restaurant. Inside Thorns in Northampton. 586-1000. Good phone number, right? It's the number Whalen Insurance got when we opened in 1961. It's still our number more than 60 years later. If you need an insurance quote or have a claim, just call 586-1000. We answer the phone, ready to help. That's our pledge to you, until now. Now when you call, we'll answer, and if it's something clerical or routine, like an address change, we're going to transfer you to the Arbella Insurance Call Center in Quincy. You'll be connected with a real person there, too. You won't be entering your policy number on the dial pad. The Arbella Call Center. I told myself Whalen Insurance would never do this, but insurance agent friends all over New England tell me it actually works really well. So we're going to try it, and if it doesn't work well, I'm sure you'll let us know by calling 586-1000. Whalen Insurance. Local people, local service, local insurance. In partnership with Arbella Insurance. Do you ever wish you could be a kid again? Big Brothers Big Sisters lets you take a break from the adult world for a few hours a week. Anyone can be a mentor. You'll have support and guidance from professional caseworkers like me. My name is Jess and I'm a case manager, but I've also been a big sister with the program for almost four years. At first, I thought it would be hard to find the time, but spending time with my little quickly became one of the best parts of my week. When is the last time you went rollerblading or cooked s'mores over a campfire? Mentoring is fun, but it also makes a huge difference in a kid's life. Children who have good mentors do better in school, are more confident, and have better relationships with their peers. Nearly 200 kids in our area are currently waiting to be matched with a mentor, and most are boys hoping to find a big brother. Come in for an info session with me to learn more. Start something. Call 413-259-3345 and volunteer or donate to Big Brothers Big Sisters of Hampshire County today. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. And welcome back to those who and welcome aboard to those who are just coming. This is always one of my favorite times of the week because I get to hear about uh, jazz from the incredible uh, Ruth Griggs on her Take 5 segment, and her uh, guests are always exciting to me. So Ruth, what do you have for us today? Thank you, Buzz. Thank you. I'm really happy to have some time with uh, uh, what the leader of the Lucky Five, which is an amazing uh, band that's been described as an infectiously rambunctious hot jazz ruckus, which I just think that's hysterical. And um, this is a band that played for the Northampton Jazz Festival Jazz Strut 
back in uh, 2021 at Progression Brewery, and I um, have known one of their players for a bit, and so I just think it's great to have Kip Biacco, um, who is a guitarist and a vocalist and leader of the group, on the line with us, calling in from Great Barrington today. Hi, Kip. Hi, Ruth. How are you? Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely. I just want to hear more about that. You know, if you could just start by describing why in heaven's name would you all be described as an infectiously rambunctious hot jazz ruckus? Tell me about that, please, and our listeners. That's a nice little tagline. My um, Our buddy Dwayne from down in West Virginia, who's another great guitar player, um, we were we were looking for some promo years back, and he just threw that at us, and we said, "Oh man, that's I don't think I can come up with anything better than, than that." You know, uh, yeah, I, I guess it's uh, I guess it just alludes to the fact that we play pretty, you know, we're 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 pretty hard hitting swing players, and um, it's definitely ragged and rough around the edges, and uh, that's that's how we like it, you know. Um, just from all our influences, what we've listened to over the years and the way just our spirits are, are kind of rough and organic. And, uh, you know, what we do is, is mostly, I would say, dance music. So we kind of keep it high energy and, uh, yeah, a little, little rambunctious. Hopefully it's infectious to people. That's the, that's the goal anyway. Oh, I, I certainly think it is. It's, it's absolutely delightful. And we're going to, we're going to hear a couple of cuts of some of your songs soon. So one of the things that, um, I think is an interesting, um, thing to dig in a little bit on is the the notion of hot club jazz, um, versus gypsy jazz. I think, especially here in the Valley, we know quite a bit about gypsy jazz because of Django in June, uh, which which right. is a delightful festival uh, all week long um, with teachers right. coming from all around the world um, and then a concert at, at two concerts at the Academy. So what's the difference between hot club jazz and gypsy jazz? Well, uh, well that's an interesting question because I, I think in my mind I would say those are both the same thing. I, I didn't know there was much of a distinction. I mean, I think, you know, when I think of gypsy jazz, uh, I think most everybody immediately thinks of Django Reinhardt and the hot club of France. And, um, you know, there's been so many spinoffs on, on Django and there's hot clubs, you know, there's a hot club of Saratoga and the hot club of, uh, what is it? The hot club of Cowtown with Alana James and those Chris, uh, Whit- Smith and uh, there's a bunch of them, but I I always thought those were kind of the same thing, you know. I guess the gypsy jazz is the term people came up with to kind of uh, summarize that that whole style. That really just boils back to Django Reinhardt, you know. Okay. Um, Thank you for clarifying that for me. I I thought that there was yeah. a bit of a distinction, but maybe not. Um, I don't know if you were able to uh, pick up any of the Northampton Jazz Festival um, a, a couple of weeks ago, but we had, uh, you talk about the different hot clubs, we had Hot Club of New York here. Oh, yeah. Is, are you familiar with Fat Cat Rivera and the Hot Club of New York? I've heard I've heard the name Hot Club of New York, and I thought I was going to say, um, I'm drawing a blank on... Who's the guitar player? Is that who you just mentioned? It's actually 
Actually, Hot Club New York is is a he, um, Matthew Rivera, Fat Cat Rivera is a DJ, and he has the largest, arguably the largest collection of seventy eights in the world. He's in oh, his twenties. Wow. He has twenty thousand seventy uh, eights, and wow. he came up with his great equipment and played his seventy eights uh, during the jazz festival in the afternoon oh. and. It, okay. it was, you know, a lot of that, you know, the swinging, the dancing, 20s, 30s, 40s music, absolutely, is, is what he played. So, um, yeah. Wow. How does, a, how does a 20-year-old guy have, have 20,078? That's, that's an interview right there. Well, yeah, I think I might want to have him on the show. He, his, his mentor is somebody whose name I can't remember, but his mentor was like a huge uh, 78 collector, and he passed away and basically, along with that, passed the baton on to um, Fat Cat. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so, so getting back to your band, um, tell, tell us a little bit about Lucky Five. I'm curious as to the name. I'm curious as to when you got started, all that kind of good stuff. Okay. Well, uh, let's see. You know, we, we, of the five people in this band, um, three of us, myself, my bass player, Matt Downing, and the violin player, Jonathan Talbot, kind of started a trio, you know, like I would say 12, 14 years ago. Um, just, you know, we, we've all been in different bands. We've all played different styles, but we um, kind of all had the same love of, of swing and jazz. We're inching towards jazz, I guess, as we were coming out of like, I used to play bluegrass, mandolin, and among other styles, and just kept, you know, I kind of, I personally got bit by the Western swing bug, like Milton Brown and his musical brownies, and Bob Wills, and, you know, Spade Cooley, and folks like that, and, and uh, as well as, like, old country music, but I think as I as I played more country and bluegrass, I the swing element just kept calling me, and I, as I investigated that, I, I stumbled onto Django as as one will and and that changed everything and then um so yeah this this band started as a trio like over a decade ago and uh just i think you know somewhere along the the line somewhere along the way we wanted a horn player we you know we're always looking for horns we're big fans of horns and uh it's kind of slim pickings around these parts here in western mass and uh we found a trombone player of all things which wouldn't necessarily have been you know what we were thinking we were thinking maybe a cornet or a trumpet or clarinet or something but there was a really good trombone player here that joined up with us and and uh when we got him we thought well we gotta we probably should add drums and just make a make a five piece and um but it ended up being kind of a unique i think pretty unique sound to have kind of the the gypsy the hot club thing going with throwing in a trombone which i hadn't heard a lot of that particular instrumentation and um and we rode that out for a while and then had some musical differences with this fellow and then uh our drummer at the time was dating carolyn and uh she had, was over in italy and happened to be coming back moving back to the states and it just so happened that she played trombone and we invited her to sit in so it's kind of a weird trombone trombone thing. That, I think uh, it's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, another one came and was like, oh, man, we're really digging this trombone, so let's try her. And, and it worked out great. And uh, But, yeah, it's all, um, you know, it started as a trio, and now we're, we're uh, doing what we do. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, uh, yeah. we're going to be breaking in just a couple of seconds here, but I just, yeah, Carolyn, um, adds a wonderful, uh, quality and you all have such unique characters and that comes through in, in, you know, in the ensemble, which is part of what your performance is all about is just, you know, your, each of your, what you, each of you bring, not only musically, but also as, as personalities to it, but it is a, it's a fun group. I'm talking to Kip Biaco, who's the lead on, uh, wonderful gypsy jazz hot jazz club jazz lucky five and we're going to come right back after the break and hear more about how you can hear the lucky five this is the afternoon buzz with buzz eisenberg 101.5 whmp Les hommes ne seront pas sous santé Mais il à peine reconfortant Mon mot tu ne seras jamais Mon mot comment ferais-tu Le plus tragique soit J'ai déjà coûté pendant As Monty's March once again shines a light on the critical need to fight hunger and food insecurity in the Valley, we thought you'd be interested in a follow-up to what has been the youth-led PB&J peanut butter and jelly drive. The young woman who founded this initiative when she was seven, she's now 16, Lavery Greenfield, will be our guest Friday at 9 o'clock. Bill Newman, weekdays at 9 and again at 5. WHMP News, Information, and the Arts. The music of John Coltrane and Alice Coltrane, made new by rising young jazz lioness Lakeisha Benjamin. Lakeisha Benjamin, a charismatic and dynamic young jazz sax player, brings her band to UMass November 17th. Benjamin's new album, Pursuance, The Coltranes, is an intergenerational masterwork, taking you on a journey through the lineage of jazz. Lakeisha Benjamin infuses the jazz tradition with touches of hip-hop and soul, producing soaring sonic adventures and dance floor-worthy rhythms and grooves. For tickets, UMass Fine Arts Center website. Don't miss this exciting exploration of the living art form that is jazz. The Lakeisha Benjamin Quartet, Thursday, November 17th, 7.30, Bowker Auditorium at UMass. The early bird gets the turkey and 10 bucks. Go to the River Valley Co-op website and order your turkey. When you pick it up, you'll get a coupon for $10 off your next $50 purchase. River Valley Co-op, local turkeys from Stonewood Farm, Misty Knoll, and Diamond Farm. Organic turkeys and kosher turkeys, too. Order by November 13th. When you pick up, get $10 off your next $50 purchase. A delicious bargain. River Valley Co-op in Northampton and East Hampton. Wild about local and turkeys. 20 years ago, we envisioned creating a brighter future for people and planet. Now, PV Squared celebrates a big milestone. Two decades of designing, building, and maintaining quality solar projects for homes and businesses in our community. 
PV Squared is a worker-owned co-op. When you partner with us, you get a team dedicated to the success of your project, from your first meeting to servicing your system down the road. Build solar right and do business better. It's the co-op difference. Learn more at pvsquared.coop. Do you know what's happening this Friday at 9 a.m.? Is this week's Shop Friday, Hangar Pub and Grill? Correct! They go on sale this Friday at 9 a.m. Full value gift certificates and you save 30%. Famous for their amazing wings and beer, the Hangar Pub and Grill has multiple locations throughout Western Mass. The Hangar Wings paired with an Amherst Brewing beer is perfect before a game. After work, lunch. Check them out. Get ready to save 30% beginning Friday at 9 a.m. The Shop 30 store at whmp.com. This is the Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 1015 WHMP. So we're back with uh, the Lucky Five and uh, Kip Bacco, who is the lead uh, um, guitarist and vocalist for Lucky Five, which is a Western Mass-based uh, gypsy jazz, hot club jazz um, group. And I wanted to give a minute to maybe translate what we all just heard there, which was in French, if yeah. I'm not mistaken, Kip. Tell us a little bit yeah, about that not- song that Dan just played. I'm not going to try to say any of the French because <laughs> I will completely butcher it, but um, you actually pronounced the title really nicely. Um, but the, the, so this is a song I wrote uh, actually probably, oh man, I'm really bad with, with time, but you know, probably five, six years ago um, we were playing uh, myself and Matt who's in the band, the bass player, Matt Downing. Uh, we're playing with Lauren Ambrose, who you might know. Name sounds um, familiar. The actor, you know, she was in Six Feet Under, and, and she's done a lot of amazing stuff since then. But she's also, she's been on Broadway, and she's an incredible singer. And she lives in this area, and, and we started up a band with her, and we did a bunch of shows, and uh, we needed songs. And we, you know, ideally write some. And so I sat down and wrote this song for that band, uh, in English, and uh, it's the name of it's My Love, How Could You? And, uh, you know, we played that a bunch, and um, and then we brought it to this band, and I always thought it would be, especially when Carolyn came into the band, she is, she's a great uh, French singer, I think, and just sounds so beautiful, and, and uh, we thought that we, she was doing a couple others in French, and, and uh, I just thought that someone would be really interesting to have a song of mine translated to French. And so we had our, our buddy Aurel who's from France and, uh, translate it. And yeah, and we've been mostly, she sings it sometimes in English, but, but, uh, mostly in French like that. And it's, um, I think it's, it's, although I don't know what they're, I, mean, I know what my words are, you know, but translations are a little, they're tricky, you know, and, and, uh, but I just think it sounds beautiful and, and, uh, Kind of an interesting experience. Yeah, very, very smoky, very languid, uh, very mournful, uh, and just very authentic. And you feel like you're yeah. you're you're at a a jazz club somewhere in you know Rue de Paris when you when you listen to that, yeah. which is very cool. 
Um, yeah. So do you do you play many of of the old you know the old standards from the twenties, thirties, and forties, or is it mostly original tunes that you guys write? Or uh, we do we do both. I, you know we do we do a lot of old standards. We try as hard as we can to do some more unique you know unique obscure things, but uh, we do touch on some of the favorites, and uh, so we do a kind of a mixed bag. We write quite a bit we're writing more and more these days and uh our our violin player jonathan talbot is a is actually a phenomenal composer of you know classical and uh unique composition so he's written a lot of instrumentals we've we've written some together and um yeah we're trying to do both you know the, the goal is, is kind of to write more and more and and uh hopefully do you know more originals than covers but the cover even the covers are kind of our own interpretations and we pull them apart and try to arrange them and you know come up with lines. of course and it must be it must be so much fun to to compose a tune that you know has the feel and the the tempo and the mood of a tune from the 20s uh, that must be a really fun musical challenge yeah yeah it is you know and it's like uh I mean, I guess we listen to it so much and um, it just kind of, it starts to seep into you. And, and sometimes when I write uh, anything that may not even be, you know, for this band or whatever, it seems like that kind of rears its head in, in a lot of things when you're listening to it and all the time. And um, yeah, it's just, to me, it's, it's really exciting music and it's, you That's know, great. dance music first and foremost and uh, just kind of gets your feet moving and well i think we're going to get well we're going to have some more feet moving uh when we when we wrap this up that was a that was a, a very sorrowful love song that we heard before but i know you all you you really do get people up and dancing they sure were at progression brewing company when you were there uh last year it was it was wonderful so so how do people follow you how do people find out more kip about lucky five well we have yeah, we have a we have a website, theluckyfive.com. It's all spelled out, T-H-E, lucky, F-I-V-E.com. Uh, we have a website, and uh, we have an Instagram page, and um, that's about it. We're not, we, do, we actually have a Facebook page as well, but uh, mostly the website, you know, and we have a mailing list that you can sign up for on the website. So are you and, all um, playing um, in our part of Western Mass, or where, where would people uh, hear you? Well, these days we well, this is kind of interesting. We've had a, a residency at a, at a restaurant bar called Prairie Whale in Great Barrington, Massachusetts. Uh, we've been playing. We're, we're the only band that ever played there, really, pretty much since it started about ten years ago. So we've been playing every Sunday night, uh, pretty much for about a decade now. Uh, once in a while, we have to miss one for another, you know, another gig or a wedding or something. But uh, but yeah, that's the best bet for people to come out and check us out would be at Prairie Well, um, Sundays, 630 to 9. Great. That's a a good tip. And that's right in downtown Great Barrington? Yep, right in downtown Great Barrington. Prairie Well. Great great food, great people, nice, no cover. You know, you can come in, have a drink. um, That's great. And listen to some music. You know, it's not overwhelmingly loud. It's it's comfortable, so it's it's a good atmosphere. Yeah, and so if you all want to hear more about uh, Lucky Five, you go onto their website, 
Lucky Five, uh, Lucky um, the Lucky Five dot org and dot com. com thelucky5.com yep. and you can you know listen to tracks there and and really pick up uh, on the feel of what this wonderful band is doing and as we were saying in the break I I got to I got to make sure you have more gigs out here in our part of Western Mass too so hopefully we'll be able to have you here too Yeah we would love that we had a great time at the at the Progression Brewery that was that was fun really yeah. fun night well, we're going to close out um, with uh, one one more of their pieces. Dan, are we playing Nakasaki or Cuckoo? Cuckoo. Cuckoo. We're playing Cuckoo. <laughs> right. Thanks so much, Kip. Appreciate it. And uh, thank you. I, I appreciate it. It's been fun. Afternoon Buzz with Buzz Eisenberg, 101.5 WHMP. Sunday mornings on WHMP means polka, polka carousel. Every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, TZ brings his award-winning polka carousel to the airwaves of the valley, playing the polka classics and the latest polka hits. There are polka hits? Brought to you by Saluzniak Funeral Home, Northampton's funeral home for over 110 years and four generations of unparalleled, thoughtful memorial care. It's polka carousel every Sunday morning from 8 till noon, WHMP. How long and how hard would you work to own your own home? At Pioneer Valley Habitat for Humanity, future homeowners contribute dozens of hours to build a home for their family, but they need your help. Thousands of community supporters have participated in this work since 1989. They create a partnership with a future homeowner and Habitat to build a home, strengthen our neighborhoods, and create a legacy. Live and local news and talk for Northampton and the Valley since 1950. WHMP Northampton. WHMQ Greenfield. Northampton Radio Group station.